there are opportunities in any part of the world. And it's just like approaching it where you're seeing all of those opportunities and being just knowing enough or telling enough people what your passion project is or what your dreams are. And you never know who you're talking to sometimes. In the room, 52 Jokers Wild. Now, I've got mine pinned to myself, so I'm actually not looking at you, Per. I'm looking at myself. Oh, he does that all the time. He does that all the time. We're just going to go. The only screen. audience that matters is me. Sure, you're not a comedy duo. <laughs> what? Sure, you're not a comedy duo. <laughs> no, there's, our, there's what our problem is. Nobody has been taking us serious for freaking three years now. So it turns out we've been, we've been on the wrong channel. We should have been on the comedy channel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. Now, so I think we're recording in all kinds. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're just about. I'm going to have to use the wall, Pink Floyd's the wall in the backgrounds for us. That'd be really cool. I think that'd be good. You know, have. Anything's really cool. <laughs> there we go. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. And uh, it's got. Yeah, dear, but there we go. Going to start again. No, oh, leave it in. Leave it in. <laughs> <laughs> we cut that out. Sorry. So, hello and welcome to another episode of In the Room with George and Garvin. And this week, our guest is Maya Elliott, who is a creative producer with Irish effing attitude. Now, I'm going to stop there now, Amiji. Now, this is live, or will be live. So, George has decided after three years to change the name of the program without actually telling me. So, it's actually not with Garvin and George. It's 52 Jokers Wild. It's in the room with 52 Jokers Wild. It just happens to be George and Garvin. It's the only way way that someone's going to pay any attention to George, if I mention it. Because That's otherwise, it. otherwise it becomes just the Garvin show. The Garvin show, and it's the a way Garvin it should show. be. And him, <laughs> and him. And but him, and now, that other guy. And I'm just going to have to do this kind of thing. I'm going to have to be it. a Ronnie. But Maya. had on the show last week. <laughs> you're saying it's Maya, not Mia. It's Maya. Me, 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 me Maya. 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 Maya, and it's Elliot. No, I, I'm stuck on the Elliot. Elliot's a dragon. That, that's where. So is, is Maya a bit of a dragon of a producer, director, or is she your friendly manager type? I don't know. Depends on the day. <laughs> it depends yeah. on the day. It depends the day. on what's necessary. Uh, especially as a female, like, yeah, it depends. No, you actually, George. Generally, I'm like a giggle in its ground. Yeah. No, you, you, George mentioned the name. I already shut him down. It was something effing, was it effing attitude? It's Irish. Irish. Irish effing. Now, what the effing are you talking about there? What, what no, is this actually, Irish? Actually, I need, I need training. This is, I need some training in this. Training wheels for George. Yeah. I've just become an Irish citizen. After 37 years living in Ireland, I am now an Irish citizen. So I need, what do I need to get to have the Irish effing attitude? One of the reasons I chose that was a disagreement between myself and a manager way back in the day. It was kind of like part of my learning curve of Hollywood. But also uh, one of the things I really love about Ireland is kind of like the can do. Like nobody, they don't, people don't really tell you you can't do something. It's kind of like, oh, there are your dreams. Go after them. Why not? Why can't you? No, no, hold on a second now. You're not. No, uh, that, no it's, George, it's I'm not going to hold her on this one. No, constantly. there's a caveat there. <laughs> you know it and I know it. If you're Irish, they say that, but they don't mean that. Because we're a bloody nation of begrudgers at the best of times. So we don't want you. We, love, we, we say it. 
but we don't want you to win the lotto. We want to win the lotto, but we don't want you to do well if we oh, don't but that's do well. It. That's the Irish effing attitude. Yeah, the Irish effing attitude is... Nobody else can get it but me. I'm yes, going to go for it. Well, I think it's more that that's way. It. There's a caveat yeah. in there. What do you reckon? You do you think we are... <laughs> I think... If somebody's begrudging someone else, it's their problem. It's not yours. Just no, it's your problem if I'm begrudging you because you'll fucking know about it. You go, <laughs> no, I'm only messing. I'm only messing. We can no, mute him. We can mute him. Yeah, yeah. That's it, Gavin. You can yeah. say what you like. We can just put you on pause there and just <laughs> go play nothing some music. New, nothing. I, I have. Well, I have been on pause for about fifteen to thirty years now already. <laughs> so that I just took the pause off about two years ago. I'm. We're making up for lost time. That's. We're exploding with passion and attitude. Actually, with attitude. But we have to translate that attitude into something meaningful in terms of work or or, or out creative output. No point in having an attitude if you're doing nothing with it. Like some of the best encouragement I've ever gotten in my career has been from amazing Irish producers. Thanks a lot, George. She loves you. That's the best compliment we've got today. <laughs> like, yeah, there can be begrudgery, but it's usually that only exists from people that are kind of living in the lack anyway. And anyone can only begrudge you because they're not getting up off their own ass and doing something about it. We've so identified the problem. Maybe it's their yeah. problem, not yours. <laughs> All this time, <laughs> that's the problem. We've identified it. No, I, I think it's brilliant because I I, I do uh, I know that uh, it, it is a case of just keep going and going and going and and actually living in the moment is what one of the things that we've been doing is just saying look you know keep working at it keep working at it learn something new see how that will help you and just keep going and don't let anybody stop you. You know what? And, and, go on. I, I just realised where I got it all wrong. Someone told me to have PMA, but what I heard was PMT. And I've had it wrong for the last while now. It was it's obviously, it was the attitude and not the other. So I... <laughs> in that commercial for quite a while, what was it with Lenny Henry or someone like that for like positive, yeah, the sports or something. Yeah, I remember that. That's where I learned it actually from telly. <laughs> well, actually, Garvin, Garvin, is, Garvin still spent the last uh, about 37 years or so just watching one particular advert for Marathon. And, and only because he's in it with this Mohican hair. You know, it wasn't, for the, it wasn't yeah. for the chocolate, it was for the hair. It I mean, the hair. it was the only <laughs> evidence I have to date that I can show my children that I had about a foot and a half of hair. I didn't come out, I, no, I did come out looking like this, but I'm going, I'm going to go to my grave looking like this. But somewhere in the middle, there was some attitude in hair. Actually, I think I mentioned this before in a previous episode. My ego and my, um, was actually my hair. And I lost me mojo when I lost my hair. So I need to get myself a decent wig. He's still got a lot of attitudes, so it's okay. This is a diluted, turned down, toned down version. You can just imagine what was going on when you had hair. Actually, I think what was interesting, if you go go back. I've still got it. (laughs) Social media. If you went back to like 1985 and social media, social media was you you had to have it exhibiting in your dress sense and your and your makeup and your hair and your de- your bit of disco dancing in the nightclub and and and, your, and the way you strutted around the bar to try and get the birds or, or to break into that you know gaggle of 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 dancing around uh, like handbags but you had to have attitude and you had to have confidence otherwise you join the end of the queue. <laughs> the only problem is he was inside the chicken run and I told him before that that was the wrong hen you know thing to be in. 
because no, actually, we better, we better we better ask Maya a question. You know, for some, I don't know why, yeah. but we we yeah. must ask you something about something. You do well, actually, something in Hollywood. I, I think yeah. uh, <clears throat> you're obviously in Hollywood or or in that sort of area now, and you're obviously getting work. What what made you change from being in Ireland was you know and and go to to Hollywood, or was it just chance? No, I always dreamed of like even whenever I was a kid of being in America, in Hollywood. And I went to college in New York in the American Academy of Dramatic Arts when I was doing acting, still do some acting, but uh, I ended up on the other side of the camera producing stuff an awful lot more. Um, but like, I think in many respects, like for an Irish actor at the time, you kind of had, there wasn't enough work in Ireland. Mm -hmm. Um, productions were only starting to come into Ireland. Like if you remember, John Houston was actually the person responsible for helping yes. Irish film board be set up in the first place. Um, so thanks, John Houston. <laughs> and like you kind of really only had a choice of going to the UK. And yeah. being from Belfast, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really a UK bird. So it's sort of like, yeah, all right, let's jump in the deep end and see how it goes. And I was lucky enough to get, you know, a start in Ireland and then um, because I'd already been in the States and lived away for quite a while it kind of it wasn't as daunting as uh, it would have been had I've never been in the States before trained in the States but like the approach to acting is very different um, so yeah like it seemed more like a challenge and I just find the fact that you know the landscape is stunning the, the attitude is very different over here so it was just more of the right vibe for me I wasn't sure now how, like how LA was going to be in comparison to New York and I mean like night and day uh, right. so like LA is kind of like a city that will bring you yeah it'll bring you to your knees in many respects you'll learn like what you're made of over here and New York is a lot more overtly aggressive like I, one thing I love about New York is like they'll tell you to get stuffed to your face and in LA it's like yeah we'll call you <laughs> <laughs> now I was just going to ask that question because you said you're coming well from the Belfast from the Ar well we just say the island of Ireland and the, Ar the Irish effing attitude so uh -huh. LA is X attitude and, and New York is Y attitude or, or this yeah. type of thing so if you're going to put an expletive in the two <laughs> what would you do on the LA one is you're brought to your knees crying or, or wherever else and the other one it's it's just like we have a you but you know damn well they're not. <laughs> like I think New York, New York has a lot more of an Irish presence, uh, especially like from the immigration standpoint. So yeah. it would be easier in many respects to find your Irish community here uh, in, in New York. But in L.A., it's only in the last couple of years, like one of my best friends that I actually met on the Tudors, she ended up in L.A. as well. So, you know. I had a small pocket of people that I knew. Uh, LA is very different with the way that they socialize uh, as opposed to New York. Like New York's a bit more tight knit and it's probably because like everybody's living in Manhattan and you're basically on top of each other. Um, whereas LA, it's very spread out. So like people are a lot more flaky here. They'll kind of like cancel last minute and you kind of like sort of need oh. to, like, I don't take any of that stuff personally anymore. Yeah. Like, I will, I will <laughs> say to someone like if they're canceling like the fifth time, it's like, all right, messer, like what's your actual schedule at this point? Cause like still not taking it personally, but like, I, if you want to meet up, cool. If you don't also cool. Well, but, like, we actually, we had, 
we had somebody counsel literally one minute before the show went before we started recording and we were kind oh, of going wow. oh right we were meant to we were meant to start recording who can we get and we got santa claus and santa claus came on the Michael show Sullivan, was brilliant guest. <laughs> but again it was like you literally could that's the great thing about social media you could do an eye game you're going you ask someone and they go i have a friend twice removed my cousin's uncle and you and within 15 minutes you've got a face in front of you and okay Absolutely. we just said we just need to do something because we're already here we're set up and it was a great show and it had an unknown something came out in terms of a story that you couldn't write the stuff. But oh, I mean, absolutely. it was actually a better show than the one we would have had had we had the guests. So it, it's, it's, so I, we like, we like serendipity. We like the universe has been very good to us in terms of throwing in, you know, left, left fielders. Yeah. Especially the throwing in. We, we sat here interviewing a, a, one of our guests and literally went and we said, are you okay? And he was kind of go. Are you, are you okay? Should we stop the show? Blah! <laughs> for five well, we minutes. We had the exorcist for about right, five minutes. Okay. You know, it was What's like going on head. <laughs> But I, I'm going to ask, I think what it is, when you were talking about New York, see, I know nothing about America. I got very left, but I've never gone further than the bottom of the road. But I mean, but this, you know, I'm afraid, I'm afraid of, I don't have a green card. You know, yeah. So I, 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 a green I, screen, but I, no green screen. <laughs> what I watched as a child is, you know, from ER to the street, you know, it might be the streets of San Francisco. So everything was, you're either getting, you know, you're in bits in a hospital being both back together, or you're, or you're, you're effectively being at this, being stabbed, raped, raped and robbed and killed. And I'm going, that's my perception from old Irish TV of the States. And it put me off for life. Now, I'm sure it's nice. That's, That's why he lost his Mohican, you see. The well, Mohican actually emigrated to America and is doing I'm really, a, really well. <laughs> I'm a shy, introvert, retiring type, and I'm, afra- I, I'm afraid to go over there because I, I, I don't know how to make friends and influence people. So it's, it's a very daunting place, the States, to me. Um, I, do you know what? I don't see it that way. Like, here... You know, you probably like one. You should never get your impression of a country from Irish television back in the day. No, it's like, <laughs> like no, no, no. And like <laughs> the difference between like TV and movies and reality over here is just like a learning experience in itself. Like there are some of the best people I've ever met are are over here. Just like salt of the earth. Um, really well traveled or others just not traveled at all stayed in uh, Uh, like the the town in their state but just have like a great view on the world I think you can find amazing people anywhere in the world absolutely Um, I'm just back from uh, but America's not scary I mean oh it's very scary (laughs) no I'm just back from Canada because uh, we went to spend time with my son and the grandchildren so we we were looking after grandchildren and we met some amazing 2D characters called Bluey do do you get Bluey where you are oh it's on Disney Channel it doesn't seem to be over here but we got all the toys and we got all the paraphernalia it's an Australian TV show made in connection with the BBC and we just literally watched it 24 hours a day because the only thing that would keep the kids happy (laughs) and then they would come over and play with us no actually there's an an interest Maya I'm Ted Bundy I'm married with children and all I do is take money to do that, and I, and and that's that's my that's my, that's who I am. You know, I'm, I'm I that's probably that's another program I used to watch. So my if, if it's not Family Guy or you know, not Ted Bundy, jeez, no, it's 
Al Bundy. I'm not Ted Bundy. I'm Al Bundy. <laughs> married with children. It's gee, that was a terrible drop of them. Oh but, no, dear. All right, fa- it's 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 I that type. Killer. Yeah, so, no, ah, my favorite song. So there we are. I'm a we're, I'm a talking head right with, slip. with with one CD in the car, and the kids were from their from the cot upwards had were listening to Psycho Killer, and and it's, and I still don't know the words, but I mean. Because I have no retention. I don't. I can't remember four and a half. I'm, a, I'm the eternal goal. He can't remember how this show yeah. started. That's how bad no, it I, is. So I'm always. I'm always like. <laughs> we're loving this. I have to do a wrap up at the end of it. <laughs> so we're going to have to make Bluey. some sense, sense of this. You're a lovely Irish girl that finds herself in the big, the Big Apple, and and the LAs, and the yeah. Hollywood, and the lights. And you're able to carve out a career for yourself over there because there was feck all happening at the time over here. But there is stuff <laughs> happening now. Actually, there's no, stuff happening no. now. Would yeah. you come? Would you consider coming back? Or are you totally nationalized actually, now? Uh, it was an insane decision to make, but it was actually one of the best decisions I made just because uh, I was back in Ireland and I was filming something at the end of 2017. And uh, I happened to see a notice for IADT for their, it was their first year of their master's program for creative production and um, film finance. And uh, I decided to sign up for that two weeks before. And then I found out, oh, you're actually supposed to be there in person. It's like, oh, crap, I live in LA. All right. So I can move to Ireland. Yeah. Um, well, you must I, have a Beckett, you must have a truckload of green shield stamps or something or air miles. Yeah. But you're good. I've great air miles at this point. But um, like my gut just told me to do it, and I also wanted to like make sure that I never lost touch with the creative scene in Ireland, and I really had done that for like quite a period of time. And you know, if you want to do like a lot of the finance uh, landscape now is co-production and international co-production. Yeah. So it really just made sense. And the people in my class were absolutely lovely. Uh, I've never been so jet lagged in my life. I found out at the time. That's right. That wasn't Ryanair, was it? No, I mean, would you, you probably did do a bit of Aer Lingus or something. Aer Lingus, maybe. <laughs> flights at the time, actually. So that was oh, fantastic. Really? They haven't been for a while now, but... Uh, I was actually quite ill at the time and I didn't know it. So I got a diagnosis halfway through the year and then I ended up needing like a couple of operations after, which is a bit of a shock to my system. So I was really grateful that I made the decision to try and, you know, achieve something like that. Probably would have gone a bit more smoothly if I wasn't commuting internationally, but I don't know. You could have done it in your sleep. So far you said you, you, you you were sick. Tired, grumpy, hormonal, and you did it. And you did it. You did it in your spare time. He says it doesn't say much for the course. You just fitted it in. God you must have been, you must been taking here. the course. I think that's what it is. I think you were. I know, a, it's a great course, course director. We had Danny Duna on. No, no, the IADT is a great course. You know, yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. great masters. <laughs> We're hoping to aspire to have one ourselves, and we have one in the making. Well, let's let's go back to Annie Duna there, because Annie Duna, I actually mentioned that because I taught uh, video production, and quite often I found that the girls ended up being the producers, and I kept saying to the lads, look, you know, 
treat the girls well because they're going to be your bosses, you know, and if you don't look after them. And Annie said, no, no, you've got to make sure the girls go and do cinematography and all these things. And I said, well, we tried, but they all became producers and they earned the money and the boys relied on them to get them their gigs and things like that because that's the way it was. How, how did that work for you? Did, did you have a similar sort of experience or oh, am I no. just talking nonsense? <laughs> that <was laughs> no, that's my George, George. I'm the nonsense, you're the sense. Yeah, yeah I know, I know, but we like to find out. No, that wasn't my experience at all. In fact, like whenever I was here for like quite a long period of time, I was an actor uh, and actually like booked for acting stuff uh, tomorrow and the day after. But the, the experience I found over here was like, Whenever you're an actor, like, for example, there are over 500 actors, 500,000 actors in Hollywood alone. So right. from a statistical standpoint, you know, it's a bit of a shock to the system. <laughs> right. How, no, no, we phrased that one. How many employed actors are there in Hollywood versus... Employed actor in Hollywood. Like they, All right. So, so there's 10 million unemployed ones, half a million well, employed ones, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, remember that going, I remember going to London and doing a, a rain dance course, and they were saying that basically it was about 2,000 directors, but only 1% of them were real directors. The rest of them were actually working coffee shops and things because they couldn't... I was going to say together. that. Is there exactly the same... Is there exactly the same number of baristas as there is employed <laughs> actors? Well, <laughs> no, I'm terrible. Have- the average number of films that are produced by producers in general is, I think, 1.4 films. So, like, there, yes. it doesn't matter what area of film that you're in. Either way, it is a really difficult industry. Yeah. Like, I'm trained from, well, basically in every department. And I wanted to do that uh, on the technical side of things over here. I have a really good, like, experience now of how isolating certain departments are specifically for women uh yeah. like i was doing my reducation for red cinema cameras and i was the only female in the class and, and you told yeah. everybody and they knew it and you <laughs> pointed it out and you had a special no, no, no. t-shirt with an arrow no no i'm only messing about it or not like it, it, you know some people are just trying to be nice and it's like you're going to get something i said like, oh i'll lift that for you and it's got like the irish and it's like Oh, oh. Myself, no, like, if we swing the question around for a second, because there, there's there's a waiting issue, because an awful lot of we were taught we're, we got into the industry in Ireland because and it was like the, the big growth or not the big topics of conversation is diversity, inclusion, and gender imbalance and addressing it. But if they're not going in to the industry, you can't readdress 90, 10 men if there's no women coming in. No, well, I mean it wasn't a very welcoming environment. Right, there you go. Into in the first place, like, do you actually want to go into something getting sexually harassed or assaulted? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And the level of assault, uh, I mean, I, I think it's a pretty big like topic in Ireland at the moment. Yeah. yeah. But like, I was at a script reading with a director, and I was assaulted, where he bit my face because I wouldn't, what? I wouldn't what? kiss him. So it is like quite a big issue in the industry. Well, I didn't know yeah. I could get away with that. I mean, I have to give that a go. Some yeah, other time. Yeah, you can't. No, no, no. no just... Popping pills and doing yeah. drugs and, you know, not yeah. necessarily professional. Coercion is like the, the name of the game a lot of times in Hollywood. So, I yeah. mean, I, I can understand why a lot of women wouldn't want to. I think it's great that there are a lot of female producers. In fact, some of the best encouragement I've gotten is from female producers and one, two, two male producers in particular. But, you know, unless you can see the representation, yeah. Yeah. you're yeah. not really like it really does matter. 
And I, I wonder if it's... Uh, and with the having to meet the quotas with the European yeah. Film Council and the Irish Film Council, whether they lock it... Uh, and you can tell, like, there's a, yeah. a lot of men that are actually quite annoyed about it uh, in America as well. But yeah. it is necessary. And there are so many reasons. And it will trickle through right to the kind of content that's created. And, like, mm. maybe your nieces are seeing kinds of programs that are incredibly encouraging that they never would have had the opportunity to see. Just Actually, to you're going to like this. Like, myself and George were talking probably about a year and a half ago going, you know, to, for us to make inroads ourselves personally in the industry, we're thinking, fuck this. We're going to tick every box. So we're yeah. going to be an all-women crew, all-women production, all-women storytellers. Actually, two of us, the two of us, I mean, we're going to, we're, we're just identifying as women as a story. And we, I think we'll have a stronger team, a better chance, more opportunity because... You have to have balance because... No, no, fuck those men. No. They're fucking useless. No, well, actually, because, uh, yeah, you do, you do have to have balance. A lot of the time, women haven't had the opportunity to be as experienced as males. So yeah. you do want to have a certain level of experience on set. But also, it's like, you can't swing to the other extreme. I think there's in politics that that benefits no one. So, like, really, like, like the project... Well, I wonder... At the moment, like, I wonder, I wonder if... Uh, male DP, like no issues with yeah. stuff like that. Like both points of views and diversity, you know, really do matter. It's, it's yeah. you shouldn't be working together. Yeah. It shouldn't be one or the other. Well, I, I know that uh, my, when I started in my career, as uh, I went through the post-production side of things. So I spent most of my career in editing, but um, when I was at the BBC, there was a good proportion. And this is, this is 30 years ago at that particular point in time, there was a, a good 50% uh, female editors and assistants at that particular point in time, because mm -hmm. back then when we were doing things, the editors actually had assistants and, or you were an assistant to an editor and actually learned your craft and your trade. Uh, and I think that's the downside with, with in, in certain areas of film or television where they don't seem to have the assistance to actually be trained up and and get new ideas so i think that that is a big issue but i wonder if is has it really over the last 30 years got tougher and not better uh for, for women in the industry is that something you you, you think no because i can only speak from my experience uh either way whether you're male or female the industry is tough yeah. uh i would think that it has been toughest for uh, black women in the film industry more so than any demographic or maybe Native American I was talking to a Native American filmmaker recently um, like a lot of it has to do with and it has been the issue since the dawn of Hollywood time is the studio system and yeah. it's great to see that you know the kind of content that's being demanded by people is a bit more diverse in general. Like people like Tyler Perry, you know, was a total trailblazer and made a specific kind of content. I mean, like that man has a license to print money at this point. So, you know, it's, it's, I love seeing things like that, but there are an awful lot of issues with regards to unionization. Mm -hmm. The format of how finance actually works in film isn't necessarily conducive to an industry that's thriving for everyone. It's more necessarily thriving for the 1%. No, uh, that's it, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. There are yeah. entities that have shareholders, so they're beholden to actually, whether you like it or not, they're so, required to make a profit for their shareholders. I love what you're saying, because right. what's that's, that's happened is, yeah. it's touched on us, we're focusing on uh, education and film, let's say. Mm -hmm. And we're also trying to focus on, you know, getting 
you know, indie production in Ireland and England, let's say, for just for example. They're doing so, a great job. Well, great. That's four Thank customers you. we have now. So, yeah, four. Well, yeah, absolutely. No one knows what we do. They're going, you're not selling anything. There's nothing for sale. No, we no, can't no, buy no. anything. We don't know what you do. We don't know where you are. You seem to be all over the place, but doing nothing and talking great talk. But that's what all we're doing. Nothing. I, I, no, no, I you're not. We're doing nothing. We've programs. got great effing attitude. We're going to have to buy your name off you. That, so we had the right... already, sorry. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but no, what it is, is what we're nosing from the research in, in, and the European research that came in the last number of years... 23% is, are only female directors. There's, yeah. And even, even Screen Ireland is going, they want more female producer, director, writer, all the above. But if they're, yeah. if they're new... Then what it is is they're cutting their teeth in shorts and and indie features before they get the get the, the the chance to be doing it for the big boys in macro production because well, anybody's any, but the problem yeah. they're yeah. having is mm-hmm. indie finance has been decimated. There is no yeah. indie production in Ireland, England. Therefore, there's nowhere to have the opportunity unless we can find out how to finance these opportunities. Yeah, we, we, we've actually been talking to a few producers that were... Independent film financing in Ireland. Like, Arocked, that was uh, independent film financing. Like, uh, Adwina Forkin... Uh, oh, no, what we're saying, it's... No, it's a, there's a certain level. It's like yeah, saying... Yeah. Level, yeah. See, what you have yeah. is, it's getting finance because it has an out, it has sales and distribution, it has a couple of aliases, it's five million up. But if you go one and a half million down to... No budget, some budget, a little bit of micro budget to, to they're trying not to get a job. They're more trying to be in, you know, indie producers or directors or writers. Yeah. The problem is there's no one in that market here. Like there's a couple of films that we know and are talking to people and they're trying to raise money about the one and a half million mark. But there's no one, the investors going, what are you giving me? And, and they're giving them nothing. They're giving me 110% of risk and no out. And there's no, odd, there's no, there's no sales and distribution and there's no guarantee of ever seeing your money back. Therefore, I can give you a million and a half of, of, of jobs we can spend the money on and give yeah. us the opportunity, but we can't, someone else has to pay for it. Uh, sorry, one sec. Let me just let the dog out before he. Oh, let the dog. <laughs> who let the dog out? That's what we who want to know. <laughs> <laughs> who let the dog I out? Think, <laughs> you know, that's like there are always, you know, exceptions to that case. Like Gary Shore, who directed a like, a, a, I think produced part of the like the one hundred million dollar like Dracula movie in Northern Ireland, and he got his start with I think it was Cup Full of Tears, fun- funded by the Irish Film Board, and you've got yeah. Rory Robinson, and you've got a number of people that are that they all did start in the Although Indian there is exceptions, but what you have yeah. is we've, we've it shorted to 12. See, they're doubling the amount, the amount of content out there because of the streamers mm-hmm. and the, is actually creating a massive demand for, for all the job types. But there yeah. isn't an output from the colleges doubling and there isn't anywhere to go get your experience doubling. It's they, they want you already to have your experience and the big boys will, will hire you in the morning. But yeah, there's but a part of me is like, do you know what? If that's the case, then get up off your arse and make your own movie. There you go. That's, yeah, yeah, that's George, it. get off your arse now when you make that movie. <laughs> That's exactly no. That's well. That's where we. That's what we've been doing. No, there's a cohort there which are doing. It's the no budget ones are doing that. There's the Stephen Four. It's great. They're going. I'll do my best with nothing. God forbid I had a budget. Now because I am an accountant in my in my my previous life, I'm going. There's a certain the other people that have moved off of that are going. Oh, the meaningful start budget is about half a million to a million to a million and a half, and that's not something they can eke together between themselves that the, the production demands 
40 people from cast to crew for 40 days and nights and you know that type of thing there's no escape oh, half a million quid you know that's not, that's nothing in Hollywood terms I spend on a couple of costumes but here <laughs> Hollywood is a different ball game it's very yeah. unionised you're dealing with SAG after you've got yeah. a certain kind of minimum payment and Equity Ireland like yeah. I love the idea of Equity but Equity Ireland really did sell out the actors on every single negotiating point that they possibly could have yeah, I mean right. like I was represented better by British Equity than I was by Irish Equity much to my own annoyance uh, and grateful right. <laughs> also, actually here like, this is interesting Interesting. If you were to fix the Irish film in the film industry, I would what, not presume what, I could. No, but what would you like <laughs> us to do on your behalf? Yeah. Um, I, you see, there. See, and that is my. That's right. Don't worry. Yep. You take that. And we'll we'll cut that out. Oh, absolutely. I'll put them to voicemail. They can leave a message because I know what it's about. Um, sorry. The, no, I'm you're in demand. We can tell our audience. No, she yeah, has yeah. a oh, job. Absolutely. People are chasing her. We can't. We have to get in a queue to talk to you. <laughs> like there are, but the, here's the thing: is like the Irish film industry has not had the opportunity to catch up with itself. Yes. Yeah. Like the amount of production that is happening, we did not have the studio space. There were six studios that were greenlit in County Wicklow alone not so long ago. They're at the cutting edge of some of the virtual production that's coming down the line. Uh, I mean, the amount of crew talent, acting talent that hasn't had a look in until recently, an awful lot of that has to do with producers like James Flynn and Morgan O'Sullivan, who are so brilliant at representing the Irish talent and crews and creating a standard of content that is internationally recognizable. I mean, I think basically every Ridley Scott that's ever like movie that's ever come out of Ireland has been produced by those those producers. And they've got amazing female producers coming up through the ranks in their company. The amount of content that they're developing at the moment, the same with um, uh, Element Pictures. I mean, they're developing amazing stuff. And it's taken, yeah. like, the Irish film industry is such a relatively young industry. Yeah. When you look yeah. at Hollywood, it's like since the, like 1918, essentially. You know, yeah. before that even. that you know, And Germany has a good film industry. They've got some of the best financing in Europe. French has got a great, you know, the France film and French film industry is also great. So I wouldn't be too hard on the Irish film industry. Like they're really getting amazing contracts and the Irish government have enough foresight to understand that on a global competitive basis, if you give really good tax incentives, you are attracting all of those jobs. I do think something that's going to be really necessary is explaining to not only the Irish taxpayer, but the Irish crews, what everyone else in the world is actually getting paid for those jobs. Yeah, and it's yeah. a really fine balance between working out, you know, a certain level of incentives for Hollywood to abandon the unionized workforce here that costs an absolute fortune to film in and attract people to Ireland, but also being aware that you're not able to exploit the Irish people either and the taxpayers' money. So uh, they, they've done a brilliant job, especially I think I was reading the other day, like 137 million was... I I wrote a little that's brilliant I wrote a, on that thing I saw the 137 million yeah. I think I saw the IM and I said that's the 32% that equates to 500 million production spend of eligible spend mm -hmm. in Ireland now they said we could double that in the morning and the problem yeah. with Annie Duna was saying the pro you touched on it in, in, in your answer there if we doubled the studio space 
what we that would be a billion immediately based on you can't get the people in. There's nowhere to put them. You know, so the talent, it's a, it's a map the talent to the space and the attraction. Pay the right day rate. And, and because I'm an accountant, I'm saying you could effectively move all the English reduction to Ireland in the morning on the basis of talent crew and space and tax break. The, the accountant doesn't care as long as the quality is the same. He's looking for, I get an extra 10% tax break. That's I don't need to make that back on the on the sales and distribution. That's I'm moving everybody there in the morning. You know, so we can change the cues in the morning. Well, the morning might be a five-year time span to build out a studio, but we yeah. need to fast, we need to fast track macro uh, green film studio build. They do have like they have greenlit an awful lot, and I believe like the construction is actually starting. It's like, very small though. Yeah. England, England has so kicked Northern into overdrive. Yeah. Northern Ireland on the island of Ireland yeah. has also yeah. had a massive amount of studio space yeah. that's been greenlit, and a lot of the Irish crews from the Republic yeah. end up going up to Northern Ireland yeah. and actually being able to work there as well and get some great experience. Like well, that's why we've got this office here in Uri. <laughs> so we're, 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 we're trans, you know, trans Irish. Like yeah. George is in Northern Ireland. I'm in Southern Ireland. We're, <laughs> we're already on the Island of Ireland. Now we're global with you. We have our new partnership in the LA side or, or the side of things. Like, you know, Stephen Davenport and a number, like they really do have a good, strategy and yeah. they're only getting going like the pandemic put a spanner in everybody's works like essentially yeah. but they only opened up a branch of the Irish Film Board here again this year I believe like the year that I moved to LA Jonathan Lochran was responsible for the Irish Film Board here but there was no financing to be able to be able to do that's the whole point so, it has to be the full holistic end to end so like the the office does need the funding in the United yeah. States. I know that they're they're going to be doing uh, like some co-representation, I think, between the Irish consulate that also opened in Los Angeles recently. But like, it's very different whenever you need to bring like a Hollywood studio head out and entertain them. And you've been given like an Irish budget for down the pub, you know? <laughs> yeah. so- that will be two potatoes, a pack of tato, absolutely, and, and it's, uh, a couple of leprechauns and a bit of Irish dancing at the end of the night. There, no, thank you. But the <laughs> kind of like cross pollination yeah. that's starting to happen, like the Netflix shows, and it's also yeah. it's like these studios are starting to open up their own Irish base as well. And the government is, you know, very intelligent from their standpoint of, well, you're going to be required to hire so many Irish people. And that's just if you want to do yeah. business here, that's how it's going to happen. So, so that and there's the there's the interesting thing. Really yeah. Are. yeah. Now you you've you've mentioned earlier on that that you you've you've done red. You've learned how to use red. You've gone through other areas of the industry. Uh, so you're so, and Alexa, yeah, like loads of different yeah. areas. Yeah. No, I, I and one of the things that I noticed when I was going coming through my career, I kept saying to certain production managers, you know, uh, how why don't you understand my job? as an editor because how do you know that i'm i'm not overinflated like you weren't allowed to move around different departments because of the way that like especially when you were on shooting on film and not shooting digital yeah. oh yeah yeah early age like the early days of digital like a lot of the guys who were kind of the heads of departments for film just pretended that they knew what they were doing with digital yeah. Yeah. but the great thing now like between you know, people even being able to shoot stuff on their iPhone and it, it, it the industry is so much more accessible than it ever has yeah. been before. So what do you think, uh, so, so if you've got a new producer, history of 
Yeah, if you've got a new producer coming out at this point, I mean, what should their focus be on creating a good story or understanding how they sell the, their product? What, what's, the, what's the biggest influence, do you think, that should be on a project? I, I, one thing I find really interesting is, like, whenever I was back, uh, somebody actively discouraged me from trying to learn all of the different areas. And that was like, it really stuck out to me because they said to me, you know, you don't have to know everything. And my mm. answer was, well, I'm learning all of these different things so I can make better decisions. And I'm not yeah. saying that that will automatically make someone successful, but I don't think you should discourage someone from going with their gut to learn as much as they possibly can. Yeah. Um, I, I found that, you know, because indie production is so competitive, especially whenever it comes to the sales and distribution side of things, like a lot of the time, like in order for you to be successful, you do need to understand how the financing works, how you can do your own budgeting, scheduling, how you do like qualified and editing, how you can edit something, you know, if like I, I had an actor that did not turn on set, turn up on set. They canceled on the day that they were required. And then were sending me messages expecting me to schedule an entire like studio shoot with, I think there were like 30 people on set that day. Yeah. And it was a big fight day as well. So there were weapons and like, oh. So I think like as many, if you can learn as many things as possible, yeah. but while you're doing that, really go with your gut and follow what you're really interested with you'll find a place for yourself in the industry. It doesn't mean that it's going to be any easier, but it does mean that you might be able to avoid certain risks and certain pitfalls that you would inevitably fall into if you'd never like played around in that area uh, yeah. or learned enough about that area. Like, you know, with ATSC 3.0 coming in and, you know, like if you're going to be mastering something now, it's like there's, new developments in color correction software by a guy called Dado Valentic, who's amazing. He's a color scientist and they have developed a software called Color Lab and it has all of the AI integrated. So now you don't need to spend like two to three days balancing all of the primaries on your, mm. on your post-production color workflow. Like you literally just press a button. It'll automatically match shots between different cameras. So you're not screwed. <laughs> between camera no, there, yeah, there's yeah. the interesting thing, Maya, because what's happening is they don't want you to know that because if you knew the, you just need to ask the right you're, yeah you're going yeah, that, that's yeah, exactly accountant, you're going break that down to, why is that 500 quid well it's going to take 10 hours or 50 quid now what are you doing for 10 hours it's three lines and two pictures oh oh and then they can't you break it down and understand the flow from back to back and then you understand budget process and the weird thing is you just talk to a load of accountancy I, 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 the issue though has been and I, I did come across it whenever I was back and it, like there is a certain amount of job protectionism and it is that's, yeah. that's what's trying yeah. to get to it's completely understandable yeah. but like but, the change in the industry is inevitable and yeah. either learn to open your mind and work with a, a, a larger you know like take your blinkers off essentially and realize that it's it's a holistic process and you know the story is at the end of the day going to be the center of the project but if you yeah. have a good 
story and your sales and, you know, everything is lacking, it does not mean you're going to get distribution. It gives you a better chance of getting distribution. It doesn't mean that you're going to make a profit. And if you're not returning on your investment, you know, you're not going to get financed again. Now, I'm going to go back a sentence there. The problem is the poor mug that financed the first time that didn't get anything and he's hammered. So the problem that people are having now that we're encountering is, yeah. They can put their money in a pension and get 50 cents without doing anything. They can put it in a wind farm and, and no one exists. Not here. So, well, well, not so <laughs> much there. But that million quid, that, that million. Yeah. So that million is someone else's two million after tax or some combination thereof. It's, it's as you said, but you have to. How much of that is going on screen? Yeah. Say again? How much of that two million is going on screen? Like, oh, no, I'm saying the full million is going to production. It's great for some things, but like whenever it comes to if you want to do night shoots, it's the most expensive country in the world to actually do night shoots based on the ridiculous agreements that are that are in place. Or I believe they're like there with the weather and the tone of the country in general it would be so great to sort certain things out but there is job protectionism and you know what it has been really necessary because there hasn't been enough work but we do have a generation of filmmakers that are coming up through the ranks that just don't give a damn about no no you can't be these are all the blocks of yesterday right to be able to something it doesn't mean someone's necessarily going to finance it but i do not believe in any we can't you know, you find a way. Uh, I'm not interested in all of the problems. Like you can't solve a. Oh, actually, I love what you're saying. I'm, I'm going to be. Sh- I'm shutting. I'm shutting up. No. Yeah, I, I actually. I'm, I'm going, I, no, I'm actually enjoying this because it's like saying we want the stories out there. We want to create yeah. content. We want to get people to stop being protected about their jobs and give more because it should be putting themselves into the creativity and it's going to be seen in the but end. I, I think the best way side. to be, the best way to be creative is to understand yeah. the limitations that are yes. being imposed on you. And that doesn't stop you from doing things, right? I mean, I'm learning at the moment how to use Unreal Engine because I can see an opportunity to finish oh, a film I've been working on. Saturday, virtual production, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm sitting there, kind of going, and I use Blender and I use all kinds of stuff and I'm kind of going, right, I can now do stuff that I couldn't do 10 years ago so I can finish this movie that I've been working on for just a passion project but i think the only thing is you just you just have to keep going and say okay what can i learn today oh that's something and those are the things that i think are so important because once you understand what the process is then you can monitor you can work out how much it's going to cost or how little it's going to cost and you can package something a bit more efficiently and get it out there and get it done and i think that's what that's why i think is 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 interesting i mean i i know that from working in, 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 on projects in the past, when people limit you uh, with with the resources, you you try and find a way to do it so it's more creative. And I'm looking to see, I'm looking at the youngsters to see how I can get ideas. That was the great thing about teaching, <laughs> because you went into a classroom. And you went, oh, that's a new idea. Oh, hang on, so I was cherry picking ideas from them. Different approach to things, and an awful lot of the time, like whenever it comes to education in the film industry, they're trying to cram you into a particular area where it's yes. like this how it's always been done but that doesn't mean that's how it has to be done and you know speaking our language now that's absolutely so out of the classroom into production that's where we are going there's no more the university that we're creating is experiential on set get your qualification doing not second talking about it so i mean double-edged sword as well like you can you can think that you know everything and you go into something and you burn every bridge possible and like you can never cross those no the great thing in my is i I know i know nothing And therefore, I can know we can only learn. That's the thing. So no, well, I think I think that's that's the beauty of it because I know that um, 
I, I, uh, I mean, I've been in the industry 30 odd years, 37 years, but there's, there's always something new to learn. I'm playing around with new cameras, messing around with new lens. I don't claim to know anything, uh, but I I'm do learning claim to tons. know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> he claims to know nothing. <laughs> but, but that's what's exciting because I know you can, this is how you can have a career for life in the film industry because there's so much to experiment with and there's so much change that's going on and you can always learn something new and then if you do get a budget you can bring people on but if you understand all the different component parts you then know how to work with those people that you're you're having to employ to do certain things and how to give them ideas to, to yeah. speed the process yeah. up sorry i'm going to ask you a question mike because i think i saw an article there the other day and mm -hmm. george might remember we were talking about it. so we, we touched on the fact you, you know, it's good to go wide and understand everyone's roles. But mm -hmm. after that, you got to pick your SME, your subject matter expertise. That you're, that you, so, so if you were picking so one thing. One of the most in-demand areas of film at the moment are writer-directors. So like people yeah. would be like studying directing or like, I mean, is that really something you can study per se? Like you need to be making films to be a director. But yeah. like, uh, actors that are now creating their own like their own shows like look at the Phoebe what is Phoebe Walker Wallace I think it is from Fleabag uh, Claire Dunn from Ireland who just mm. uh, won the European Shooting Star Award Gavin Burke with all his all his projects he's been of, like, <laughs> so one of like, these years yeah. content but they also yeah. need you know the taste maker of that project you can't yeah. defer certain decisions to everybody. And also, like, just because a project has money doesn't mean that it's any good. Like, oh, no, absolutely. You know? Well, we keep talking about the Blair Witch. The Blair Witch, when they made it with nothing, turned into something really good. And as soon as they were given a budget, it, they couldn't work with it. They didn't know how to make the movie. It, it all flopped. You and know, then everyone, second, everyone else oh, keeps on promising Blair Witch. Oh, and they <laughs> but that happens quite often. Like, yeah. There are some of the best cinema moments are happy accidents because they didn't actually have a budget and they had to yeah. come up with like even some of the best solutions. People are CGing everything now. Part of that is insurance reasons, but also like practical effects, like they were making their own effects. They were doing blood explosions and they're brilliant. Like yeah. now a lot of the time they get they get the financing on the second project That's because it. the first project made so much money and People, so many people just look at this industry as a job. There's a difference between the artists in the industry yeah. and the actual gigging people. What are you? I'm still making up my mind. No, are you the artist? <laughs> it's just going to be a, light, a lifelong. I'm an artist in other areas. I know from hopping around departments and things, certain things like I just don't want to do. Like I've done DIT on projects and stuff and I just get frustrated sitting there transferring files. Uh, I like. Yes, Garvin, you I can do it. Like you don't meant to do it. That's it. <laughs> I, um, I like it, but it needs to be done, you know? Yeah, well, absolutely. No, but you don't need to do it. It's back to, that's back to exactly. budget. If the budget exactly. was there, they can do it. Yeah. Well, there's an awful lot of automation there that does it while you're not looking as well. If you're on a budget, you know, you can be the director and still, you know, have Shop Pro and, you know, checklists and some checks and they're being delivered to your phone while that's all offloading onto, you know. Yeah. So is, is there a passion project, arty farty? creative yeah. in there that has it because we asked this question of a bunch of like you know, other women we spoke to i'm still it, getting garvin to try and come up with his arty party what's the project? one in the handbag <laughs> if you no, not sexes otherwise i i have my man bag i'm just yeah, saying it's in there. there it's a passion project 
if someone just, I don't, we don't know how much it is, someone that was 10 million, 15 million, and the reason they couldn't do it was it was an unattainable you know, budget, therefore it couldn't be done. Um, Have you got something you could do that you need to do before you die? Yeah, but see, the thing is, that's every project I work on because I'm not going to work on it if I'm not passionate about it. Yeah. Yep. So, like, they're just... Good like, answer, like, good I, answer. I'm at the point in my career where I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, you're throwing up money at me. I don't care. I'll take it. Like, obviously... Yeah. This I can spend that, show. no problem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, like, there's a project, there's a writer that I'm working with at the moment. He had stuff... Uh, we did a short a while ago. Um, we were uh, catching up um, last week and his one of his scripts was on the blacklist and he was invited by... Like, he's a great young writer and uh he wants to turn one of the projects that we did a short on into a feature film and like one of the actors is from Denmark one of the actors is from here uh you know there's a project that I'm shooting in March that's by a young British writer uh she's in it as well as an actor she was in the theory of everything and I've got an American actor my question would be is that a million is a five million ten fifty what is it I'd love to do a, a TV series. Well, right. I'd love to do a feature film on the Tawn, but told from Queen Maeve's perspective. Because oh, so much okay. of our Irish legends are actually translated by men, have start, historically have been written by men. But Ireland was a matriarchal society. It certainly wasn't a male-driven society. So there's so many things that have been lost in translation. Like Queen Maeve, was, it was all about her ego. But when you look at how society worked back then, that's actually not what it's about at all. So we're trying um, to get some so, Celtic superheroes, is it? No, not super. They're not superheroes. Well, they could but be like, DC. You know, just you make... like Game of Thrones ripped so many things yeah. out of the Irish legends. I was talking yeah. to an executive at Legendary Films recently, and they have people that are specifically studying cultures and yeah. their national legends, and they're stealing cultures, national legends to put into Hollywood movies. It's like, I'd oh, love wow. to see some Irish legends. And it's big budget stuff, but you know, yeah. we can see from the Game of Thrones that we actually have the crews and the talent. And you know, Stephen St. Ledger, who's an amazing Irish director who does fantastic action. He was doing stuff on the Vikings, you know. I think I think he's just finished directing a couple of movies. Like there is a way to do that, but I do think, like, in many respects. You know, some Irish film has been caught up in a certain genre of telling an Irish story, and th- yeah, there's yeah. there's a much wider scope. Right. That. So that we yeah. we want Celtic mysticism to go kick ass. You know. I, I think, you know, considering what the marketplace is, yeah. and the fact that you know, if we have a film board that's representing Ireland, like Ireland is far more than. Um, don't get me wrong. Like the films that have come out of Ireland, based on the famine and based on yeah. other things, you know, are absolutely phenomenal films. Like Iraq is phenomenal, you know. But I'd love to see some serious, like Irish legends, and all of the like. Could you imagine, like Michael Fassabender and all of these people playing like? Screen McCool, you know, kicking the bejesus out of like a couple of. <laughs> having Saoirse Ronan as Queen yeah. Maeve. That's yeah, it, yeah. exactly. You know, like, I'd love to well, see. Well, Killer Sacker uh, Stone. Project of mine, and that's why, yeah. uh, in part of my masters, um, we we had to go and do work experience. So I had worked on the Tudors um, before, and I had contacted them and just saying, like, look, guys, you know, I haven't spoken to you in forever, but do you remember me? And um, 
I have to do some work experience. Can I come and, and work with you guys? And they're like, they were so lovely, like genuinely amazing people, amazing crews. And I found myself on the set of uh, the Vikings uh, season, I think it was season six, episode 12. And it was like three camera shoot. And I was chatting away with Peter Robinson and I was telling him about uh, Robertson and I was telling him about some of the tech and stuff over here and he hadn't heard of it yet. Um, and it's just like being in that environment just really kind of lit a fire under my ass for some of the stuff that would be a passion project yeah. for mine. Yeah. But you can't just sit around and say, yeah, I'd love to do, you know. No, no, we're saying, like, yeah, no, stop no, no. there, stop so there. The we're going to add on from the beginning of the conversation that mm. that's the passion project. Inject yeah. Irish fucking, sorry, excuse the French, attitude <laughs> to it. Package it in the investment access Hollywood yeah. all areas. Yeah. You're, you have the relationships with the Irish Film Board and all the connections back here. So uh, you, what I'm you're so meant to do so is now go bring, talk to your man Davenport that's now in the LA office and go, you want to go a courting 50 to 100 million to bring it to Ireland to do the, to do the Saoirse Ronan on steroids, Maeve, Queen Maeve, wherever the hell it is, kick-ass Celticism. That's not my pitch, but yeah, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's like, it. Really, you know, there are so many amazing things about the Irish culture, but if you think about it from an, like the target market could be, you know, we've got a diaspora of over like 80 million people. Yeah. Oh, more, you know, more. That's just well, the one second like name. Like over, yeah. Really over a hundred, but yeah. like, yeah. There, there's, it's not necessarily... If you add the illegitimate in as well, yeah, you're about 200 million. Like our, our Irish culture isn't... It, it's yeah. not just for Irish people. Yeah. It's kind of like a great story is a great story. But like there were, there have been, you know, you know, shorter films that have been addressing stuff. Like I think yeah. somebody made a film about the Fomorians. I remember watching that. I think that was film board funded back in the day. And that was really well done. But you could have like you can still draw from certain elements of our culture that happened before the separation of like church and state before, you know, before, before Michael Flatley, yeah. you know, of Ireland or ethnic cleansing. Yeah. And, you know, really those stories are such glow. They have so many similarities with other cultures across yeah. the world. They yeah. really are wide sweeping, inspire, like great, great, like kernels of truth at the heart of them. Um, that I think, you know, it's never been interesting. Whenever I spoke to somebody about wanting to do about my passion project, they actively discourage me. It's like, yeah, everybody wants. Who to are you that. speaking to all this time? The one that doesn't want to tell you what the job is, then the next person you talk to discourages you. You're talking to the wrong people. Don't talk to them. What is it? Like opinions are like assholes. Everyone yeah, has one. Exactly. But it yeah. doesn't. It doesn't mean like. If somebody discourages me, I don't like if somebody says don't do that, I'm not the kind of person that's gonna be oh, okay, yeah, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna be like, all right, okay, cool. No, yeah. hold on a second. Now yeah. you just said you if you they said don't do it, you're meant to be they doing said, it. They said, so oh, you're yeah, you we're back to your we've got the passion project out in there, we know what it is. This is the game you got to go play on the sideline once a and week. All, and all the locations around where I live. We I can live sort on Steve Gully and the Cooley Mountains crew, are behind us. This end of the planet. Stone. Yeah, we can do we it can all pack, here. We can package your tax Jones, break, bro. your co-production, roll in the, the Annie's. It's all here. It's all ready for you. You just have to court the LA. My, my wife, she's just retired and she always wanted to make a film about yeah. me, Neve. Yeah. Could uh, you imagine, Maeve. like... 
Jeremy Irons, yeah. Fanula Flanagan, Sir Sharon, yeah. Colin Farrell, you know, Michael Fassabender. Uh, just, we've got and so many, like Olwen Fure, yeah. I think that's how you pronounce her name. She, I saw her in Macbeth years and years ago. She was phenomenal. Like, we have a Gillen. We, we've, we've just got so many areas. We just need to pitch it. We just need to write this down and yep. pitch it. Pitch it. That's, that's what you need to do. Like, yeah. that, but that's, that's like, that's not me in the next five years. That would be me. Like, that's a good 15 years. Hold on a second now. I was going to be... Too late, too late. We're getting old, eh? You were talking about digital and all sorts of cameras. Yeah. Tony, and I was going, I don't know how old you are. Because it was sounding as if you were in George's time and looking great for your age. Now you're saying in 15 years time, I'm like, cut my teeth something, on something else something like that for people to take yeah. you like it took 10 years for them to make the favorite and that was yeah. you know element films and that was like the amount of times that finance no but they were coming that from that. prehistoric ireland you know beat a max god knows what we're going to go straight for the juggler talk to crypto techno nft money and just do the creativity it's if you could do it tomorrow would you do it what, you, what are we waiting 10 years for the money I that's would- it if if I got the money tomorrow, yes, I would go and speak to the producers of the Vikings that have the experience. They're still in the yeah. pub in Wicklow, for God's yeah. sake! They haven't lived for the next ten years. I, like I, I've never produced anything at that level, and that really is like you know you. If you get money like that, you do have to respect what you're being given. No, no, we just get this subject matter experts in. The whole point here is who has the money makes the decisions. Well, one of the things I started to realize, yeah, one of the things I started to realize when we were talking to some of my colleagues that worked in Hollywood as well and working on bigger projects, you suddenly kind of go, they're just the same as me with a smaller project, but they've just been given a bigger, they're doing exactly the same stuff. It's mm-hmm. just it costs more money. So what I'm beginning to realize is that you have to just go and say, Do you know what? It, does, it doesn't matter whether it's 10p or 100 billion or whatever. If you're working on the project in the way you want to go, you're still going to turn it out. You know what it's going to be and, and how it's going to work out. And I think that's the important part is just just keep but going for it and going for it. Absolutely. But it's also it's like it's not just money. It's finding the right group of people that are willing mm. On the same, ah, yes. but you're not yes. in your mind, you don't have the money, therefore, you're not looking for the people. No, I'm always looking for no, the people, think- but I'm just like, I'm just willing to, you know, realize that it's like, I would love to work with these people, but it's not going to be now, it's going to be in the future. And I'm certainly not going to ask them for anything right now because I'm, oh, all right, I'm but- at a point where I am, like, I'm, I'm really starting virtual production with uh, Nomon in Hollywood, um, actually, this week. And, you know, there, there are so many things that I've never considered from that standpoint. We're not even necessarily going to need locations for things. Forget about green screens. They're on their way out. We've got real time. Yeah. Which makes yeah. all of my passion project stuff far more realistic and yeah. easier to achieve. Like you might yeah. not need 50 million to be able to, well, you probably would if you have all those stars, like you're going to have to yeah. pay them. But, but like, actually, well, that, that's with, the thing is, no, it's you the don't. characters, it's the if actors, isn't it? You don't you need them if you go deep fake. Like you being the only creative is not going to, yeah. like they're, they're, I think the idea of an auteur is old Hollywood. I don't, yeah. like you've got someone like Quentin Tarantino and, and they, they're, they've come up with their own genres because they're such auteurs. But whenever you're yeah. doing something like that, that would be a classical thing. Mm. You're going to need, you, especially if it's an Irish project, 
uh, about our Irish heritage, you would want to have as many Irish voices speaking to that. No, I'm, I'm terrible, Maya, because I'm thinking of a fictional Irish heritage where we go back to, we don't know who was there back 10,000 years ago in Newgrange, and it's this civilization that's been gone. So therefore, the, like, most I, I've said this in a, a bunch of shows. A bunch of shows, you go back 10,000 years, we're meant to be in our underpants, you know, digging potatoes. But we built, you know, like, you know, things that are like the probably stars. sitting there drinking Guinness and kind yeah. of going, do you know what, so, one day this is going to be a really good <laughs> moneymaker. philosophical question of what is someone's culture and what is someone's heritage. It's more than like, it lives in the DNA of the Irish people. I mean, I yeah. think there was a study recently where we're still having the genetic effects of what actually happened in the yeah. famine. Like it, there are certain things that like PTSD carries through generations. You know, there are an awful lot of things that, you know, will. Are we coming up with excuses why we're a bunch of alcoholics and bullshitters? You know, I mean, it's in the DNA. We can't escape it. (laughs) No, those, do you know what, actually? Uh, Those are stereotypes of the Irish people. I've met so many Irish people that are teetotalers, Irish people that are incredibly talented in so many different areas. Like one of they were probably adopted. They weren't Irish at all. I don't know. They were blowing. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I think one thing that is really important uh, for Irish creatives is like you've got to trust your gut and have your own creative voice and know when to say no to people and know when not to listen to people but I also think it's really important to get out of Ireland yeah. and my yeah. problem you know what my problem Maya the was wider sense yeah. of what the industry is and like some of yeah. the ideas that were coming from you know some of the courses and things that I'd done in Ireland like even right back to the acting whenever I was like I, I did a what was it the Gaiety School of Acting professional acting course when I was doing my finals in philosophy and UCD which I, I mean I, I guess I just like baptisms of fire in general and um, I ended up going to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York after that and like whenever I went there and everything was completely deconstructed and it was a very you know, very much method acting, very much, you know, an American approach to things. It's not necessarily better, but knowing the difference between the two not only can make you direct other actors and yeah. emote things yeah. more readily, like you you just have a different perspective on things. And I did find like between some of the conversations between I, I've had with Irish creators, like they'll be absolutely, you know, committed to a particular idea and it's not necessarily because it's you know and this is just my opinion it's not necessarily because it's the right idea it's just because they don't they haven't been outside of you know that creative box you know dealing with oh my gosh like the difference between producing Indian Ireland and producing Indian Hollywood Ah! (laughs) like dealing with the Santa Barbara Film Commission and, you know, the, you know, the Inland Empire. And well, I'm dealing with like San Luis Obispo. It's all totally different. Whereas in Ireland, it's kind of like, there's a lot of really goodwill towards artists. And there are so many people willing to give their time and support in Ireland. And a lot of the time that does not exist in Hollywood because here it's about money. It's about business. And like, I'm very lucky from an indie production standpoint that I did go to some of the best acting institutions because I have amazing relationships with actors that are like leads in TV shows at the moment. And like, it's like, yeah, we came up through the ranks and we were both like crying in the corridor, prepping to go on stage in the classroom. And it's like, we have that bond where if I hadn't gone and done all of that, 
I wouldn't even have a look in with these people from a production standpoint because they're judging something on script. But whenever you know what's going to happen in the post-production process, like you were saying earlier, like you can't explain that to someone if they can't visualize it in their head. And then there's an awful lot of trust that happens where it's like, it's very different whenever you're the actor. Like I, I, I did a project where I was the lead in the project and it's so obvious to me now where it's so it's it's sorry no i can't absolutely not uh it's different when it's your face and it's your butt up there and you know the effects aren't working or you know the acting isn't necessarily great that day or nobody really knows what you're dealing with off camera it doesn't matter all that matters is what's in the can and then where's your post-production budget to fix that stuff oh i know it's kind of like you know, half a dozen of one and what's the saying, something of the other, like either way, there are opportunities in any part of the world. And it's just like approaching it where you're seeing all of those opportunities and being just knowing enough or telling enough people what your passion project is or what your dreams are. And you never know who you're talking to sometimes. Like, Well, you I, certainly haven't a clue who we are. Well, so actually... <laughs> I was yeah. and I was reading a yeah. book and somebody came up and started yeah. talking to me and he was a nice guy and his name's Barry Navidi and he's Al Pacino's business partner and I ended yeah. up at a screening the next yeah. day for uh, the Oscar Wilde project for you know and that's was- back to serendipity yeah. exactly but like- you have to be out there you're out there and you're meeting opportunity and you're acting yeah. on it yeah well look, we we <laughs> are now people as you're learning all of these different things so people saying you have to specialize in one thing then you're only going to meet a particular group of people like i've met camera operators i've met people in like camera rental houses that i never would have met you know engineers like nelson tyler who creates all of the big massive gyros that go on the front of helicopters and stuff and his wife was kubrick's steadicam operator i mean like the people that you come across as you're pursuing whatever your dream is yeah. that's what's important like i always like the, the tagline for my company is dreams are made of you so like just because you have a dream and somebody tells you it's not realistic or whatever it doesn't mean that you can't achieve that there's Absolutely. a reason you have that dream and it yeah. doesn't mean that you'll necessarily achieve that dream but the pursuit of it yeah, is the game it's very, it's very all of the stuff that well, will you know but folks, we're actually, believe it or not, been going for an hour and 15 minutes. And and, and, <laughs> and Maya's had two phone calls from her agent sorry, and she's sorry. probably itching to get there. No, no, that's that's fine. That's Domino's pizza, you know it, I proof, know it. We have proof now there's, there's a couple there. Listen, I mean, it's been lovely talking to you uh, and, and we've gained such a rich... Uh, source of information from talking to you, which I think is, which is why we love doing what we're doing. We're just talking to people in the industry, bringing back as much information we can so we can share with other people. And it's also hopefully going to help shape the path that we're taking in the way that we're going to be doing our academy. So that, that's actually fabulous as well. Just to give you a couple more minutes, is there any last words you'd like to say to our particular audience, which are filmmakers, aspiring filmmakers in the indie area in Ireland, specifically at the moment? and how you, they might sort of uh, pursue their careers at this point? Yeah. Um, if you want to be a filmmaker, the best education you can ever have is just making a film. It doesn't matter necessarily what you're making it with. You know, you, you, you have to be 
like sometimes a lot of filmmakers that have made stuff, you know, there's an ego that's attached to it. You know, put the ego to the side and just make a film. Don't have expectations of how it's going to be, how it's going to turn out, but just pay attention to what you love or hate during that process. And like, yeah, people always have this idea of Hollywood and America and all of the, like there is an amazing film industry in Ireland. There are amazing world-class talents in Ireland. Like there are so many things where it's like, I should probably just go back to Ireland because I see so many opportunities, so many brilliant actors, so many brilliant writers that haven't even had a look in yet. You know, just get involved, even in your local community, find out what filmmakers are in your area, you'll you'll automatically start attracting your tribe and just start making things with them it doesn't matter if you're making it on your phone if you're using bluetooth like microphones and things and labs and stuff it is the digital world you've got social media there are so many opportunities this is the best time in the history of film that you could ever endeavor to make a film it is the best opportunity any filmmaker has ever had in the history of time is now. So like, there's no reason to sit around and say, I can't get the funding. I can't, whatever. Shut up, get off of your ass. And yes, George, shut up now for like, God's sake. You no, that's you, Gavin. <laughs> pursuit, the pursuit of it, that you'll come up, that's how careers are built. You, you learn through getting things wrong. You don't learn through getting it right. Absolutely Excellent. fabulous. Garvin, any no, you haven't got any more last words. <laughs> any last words, Garvin? <laughs> I was going to say, I'm reminded of something you said earlier about following your gut. Now, my problem to date is I have had IBS on a regular basis, and that's brought me here. So I have to make sure no IBS, then follow your gut, pursue the dream, and find that tribe. And I like what you're saying. We're look, we're looking to get that film tribe and go on a Celtic hunt and out there we go of you there's a reason it's your dream it's completely unique to you there's a reason you have that you have to believe that if you don't believe that you're not believing in yourself and the thing that will make or break you in this career no matter how successful you are or how little work you get you have to believe in yourself and if that's that's the biggest investment you could ever make that's it no that's nightmares a great way. dream on <laughs> That's, yeah, that's a great way to end the show. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next week. And bye for now, and thanks very much, Maya. Bye, guys. Thanks. Have a great one. Goodbye. Hope you enjoyed this video. Please subscribe and click on the bell for notifications.